Hi there, thanks for being with us here at I Am and for following your curiosity. If we are in any way able to be part of your journey of expansion, of coming home, of belonging, of basking in your worth, if we can act as a stepping stone to something bigger for you, then wow, what a privilege. It's amazing. But maybe even by being something you don't like, perhaps we can still function as a guiding force towards more of what you do like elsewhere. Whatever the case, just really appreciate you tuning in. So here we go then, another dive into the bigger possibilities of being human and how we can enhance our presence and the power of our expression, of our interactions and contributions and of our experience of life and who we are. I had a brilliant chat with Ananta Kranti, a spiritual teacher and leader of sorts, about a lot of these things. I'm looking forward to sharing her powerful responses with you this week on the Thursday main guest episode. Ananta is someone who's definitely experienced great transformation in her life. A shift that was definitely assisted by a period of incarceration in a Japanese prison during her youth. The enforced rituals, the compulsory silence and the harsh conditions of this institution acted as a catalyst in revealing something quite mystical in her that she articulates beautifully during our chat. She is incredibly relatable and down-to-earth too. She makes fascinating subjects easy to access and grasp. Ananta speaks a lot about awakening in this podcast, how it's unfolded for her, and so much more too. It's all a bit of a mind-blower. Transformation is possible for everyone, she says, but it does depend upon a willingness, a desire to break out of the hold that the way life seems to us has on us. We need to find that thing big enough, that reason and meaning potent enough to cause us to start asking bigger questions. Like what's life all actually about? Why are we here? Who am I? As conversation starters, fair weather vocations or just ways to impress others down the pub, these ruminations, they're, they're not going to affect anything. In fact, actually, they become another rather clever method of just keeping us exactly where we are. However, when knowing the answers to them becomes so damn important that it hurts, well, then we may stand a chance of igniting that flame, the one that illuminates the inner dimension just enough for us to see our predicament, to sense what is possible and to truly realise just how little we actually know about anything. Everything about our human life depends upon the planet and comes from the planet, the same one that we are developing away, depleting and perhaps destroying. The power of nature comes up in our conversation a good few times, and Nanta's big on it. Sustainability is, of course, a crucial topic right now, and rightly so. So I want to explore what this might mean on a personal level, in this little Tuesday exploration, beginning with maybe law number one of the law of attraction. What we wish to create in our world, we must first be it and possess it. If we want sustainability around us, we have to be sustainable ourselves and know sustainability so that we may pass it on. I'm not talking about actions of recycling, looking after our carbon footprint here, although these kind of choices obviously do make a difference. But I want to look into how we are on the inside before we look at anything else on the outside. And whatever the future is that we desire and wish for, we must first represent that ideal world within us. 
if we want something better than what's been possible for us before, then we must upgrade ourselves to be able to receive, perceive and create it. If we stay as we are and try to do more and achieve more, we're going to burn out. And it will be this burning out, and perhaps it is this burning out, that we're offering to the planet as our gift right now. With the model in place that says stress, suffering and sacrifice is going to lead to joy later down the line, all we're doing is simply adding to the sum total of stress and suffering on the planet. The only thing that's getting sacrificed is our opportunity and our possibility. When we do whatever we can just to get through to 5.30pm, to the weekend, to the summer holiday, or to retirement. I think we confuse the beauty and the power, the ecstasy of exploring, embracing, and experiencing life with that momentary sense of relief that comes from avoiding our idea of it. This survivalist attitude is leading ourselves down an ever-narrowing darkening corridor, one of fatigue, isolation, disease and breakdown. And with our example, we're just inviting others to do the same. What it is that we're looking for is already here right now. And Nanta leads with this one at the beginning of our discussion. It's a difficult one to get our heads around, given our penchant for looking at everything through the eyes of cause and effect. But there is, for me at least, a whole deeper realm with very different laws existing in it. And it is right here with us, in us, as us, and in everything around us too. Now I have my own kind of evidence for this, because I've been in that zone, tuned into my purpose and my mission, where the barriers and boundaries between the seer and the seen disappear, and all concepts of time go with it too. It is simply otherworldly. And whether I've been full-on sprinting in these moments or tackling or sitting or talking or staring at the sea, it doesn't matter. It's always energized me in a way I cannot describe. It certainly didn't take energy away from me. There was this ability or there is this ability to have both absolute physical effort but then total relaxation and surrender at the same time. And with it, I've never felt so young, so powerful and so me as I have in these experiences. All energy output comes from stress. Being alive and staying alive, it stresses the body. All our unrealized life energy is transformed and manifested into the beating of a heart, to thinking, to eating, to moving and everything else. It has to get used up. And this is why death occurs. There's no shying away from it or avoiding it on the physical plane. How much we bring our stress down and how much of this energy we harness and bring in can make an incredible difference to the way we live and what we experience, in my opinion. So managing our energy is so much more important than managing our time. How are we going to spend that energy, that precious energy, What is it that we're doing on a daily basis that is really worth dying for? Because every choice we make, we're essentially doing just that. We're giving our life away with every single decision. And when we operate unconsciously, reactively, and ultimately accidentally, 
when our beliefs are constantly being triggered and compelled into action by unpredictable and uncontrollable happenings around us, we become impossibly wasteful in this regard. We don't feel the way we want to feel. We don't do the things we want to do. And the ones we do, we don't do them the way that we know we can. And we just don't create the world we want. It's got lose, lose, lose written all over it. And on top of all this, it's taking away our life. So taking charge of the way we are means mastering the mind. Our mind is always turned on and operating all over the shop. Our energy expenditure is obscene. And it becomes even more so when we look at the destruction we're accomplishing with all this mental carnage. An enlightened yogi I met a few years back told me that he slept only three hours a night. I was horrified, my wife too, and we asked him immediately, well, how do you recover with so little sleep? And he responded very calmly by just saying, recover from what? Pain, he said, is such a tiny thing for the body. But when our minds get involved in it, it becomes suffering and suffering can last us a lifetime. So switching on and off, so important. But in order to do this, we've got to know where the switches are and what they all do. But before that, we've got to address the belief that we have that the world and others hold the remote controls to our inner workings and our potential. Maybe then we won't feel like we have to constantly fight and manipulate or beg for them back. Maybe then we can get our attention and our energy back in our own hands. How often do we come home from our day at work or doing whatever we've been doing with whomever, flop on the sofa with a big sigh? How often do we talk about what a long day it's been, how busy, stressful, before numbing ourselves with TV, treats, alcohol, or other things? But looking over it, what is it we've actually been doing? Is it really that much? Where's all this energy going then? How are we looking after our bodies? How consciously invested and aware are we of what we're putting into them? How are we eating? What about exercise? Rest, breathing, sleeping, relaxing. And this is just for starters. What if we could all tap into the life-affirming, limitless source of the now for our freedom, for our solutions, our guidance, our joy, our recovery? our fulfillment, safety and our potential rather than trying to sort of squeeze all this out of the stuff around us. Tapping into this infinitely abundant eternal life source is imperative if we're going to know sustainability. Otherwise, for me, growth and fulfillment and a thriving planet is becoming a bit of an unmarriable paradox. As Ananta says, to tap in simply means becoming consciously aware of and responsible for ourselves. The things that bring meaning to our lives, the challenges that instigate those butterflies in the stomach, exploring the unknown, the time we spend loving, laughing, sharing profoundly, bonding with those around us. All of this just brings so much energy in and yet we actively run from these opportunities and seek their opposite sometimes through guilt or shame, resentment, fear, anger, frustration, unworthiness, apathy, whatever it might be. The ultimate energy inefficiency for me 
is resistance. We can go through life carrying such enormous weight upon our shoulders, adding to it, in fact, and pushing back against so much that's happening to us. Imagine lightening this load, emptying that backpack of its heavy, draining story, letting the bag of past and future just fall to the floor. Can we picture joining the universe in its now, moving with it, keeping its wind at our backs, living each moment aligned with our unconditionally compassionate, accepting, excited, creative, deserving higher self. Imagine flowing gracefully, without leaving a mark, just becoming one with everything, learning and serving. What would this take? Or we can fund our day-to-day lives with highly chaotic survival states, with our minds going 20 to the dozen, burning hot and on the edge of boiling over at any moment. But what kind of personal energy bill are we amassing in keeping this sort of intensity up? Do we actually have enough in the bank to pay it? to keep paying it. I heard it said recently that we need to keep population numbers up because by doing so we raise the likelihood of geniuses being born that will help us quantum leap to the necessary intelligence to solve our problems. And maybe this is a reasonable argument, I don't know. But it seems like a bit of a waste for all of us here on the planet's surface as we speak to not be exploring our own inner intuitive genius. I feel like we are all capable of something so immense when we come together. I get the impression, having had a good look at the way that I operate too at times, that we're maybe far more familiar, far more inclined and comfortable tuning in to our inner grafter than our inner genius. What I mean by this is that we seem somehow or we lean towards taking the path of most resistance. We keep choosing stress. We've made our mind up on what a good life looks like, what the right person is, what being happy and fulfilled should look like and will feel like. And then we really try and tough it out against the universe to make sure and insist upon it at all costs. We prefer to keep believing in these empty promises of our outdated limits over letting go into the unknown, tuning into our passion, updating and upgrading ourselves through evolution. We do our best to cope with anxiety, deal with pressure and handle our fear instead of sitting with it, communicating with it and uncovering its deeper, beautiful message. In other words, we're fighting it rather than letting it really fuel us. But the genius has a price to pay too. Geniuses have to face vulnerability. The genius chooses to relax and learn that way. Ultimately, the genius is ready to give up its idea of who it is and who it could be in service of who it has to become to deliver on its purpose of being free and leading this world in a better direction. By getting out of its own way, and dying so that it may truly live. However, the genius comes to know things and know a world that we grafters cannot. You only have to see sporting geniuses to know what I'm talking about. When they hit, kick or throw a ball, lift, run or swim, we all say, wow, they make it look so easy. And we, we ask, how do they 
do that? How do they make that happen with so little effort? You call it timing, you call it feel, you call it connection, you call it a deeper understanding, but essentially it is just channeling that inner power and reaping the rewards of that infinite energy field beyond. Call it inspiration, intuition, impulse or insight. They surrender to being who they're meant to be in that moment. And in between these moments when our purpose and passion is not so immediately relevant, then it becomes about gracefully managing our energy and bringing it in way more than we're putting it out. So how much are we willing to give for our potential? We know how much we've been willing to give for our limits because we've been building and strengthening them every minute of every day since we can remember. But now we might be a bit wiser curious enough to know that maybe there's a choice so do we have a few goes a few meditations a little bit of self-inquiry but then give up because nothing instantaneously changes or are we willing to go to the life gym and rep out anyway how long will we stay with it how deeply are we willing to engage in it and why it's more like why not for me I've tried the other way. I've given that one, geez, way more than a fair trial. Probably the longest trial and the most convincing run of results and and evidence that you could ever have. I know how that one works. If it was enough, then I wouldn't still be looking. I know where that old road is heading and all my old attempts to get off that road have just been accelerating me further along it. So with this acceptance, with this lightning, with this inner curiosity, and with this commitment and devotion, we can all start today. As Ananta says, everything's right here now, just asking for us to want it enough to see it. The I Am Podcast is devoted to this path and to supporting anyone with the inclination to explore. Pick an episode, any episode. They're all designed to fan the flames of that inner genius and welcome it to the party so we can hear what it's got to say. Thank you so much to Anantakranti. What a gift these conversations are. They are definitely a huge source of energy income for me. I can often find myself dropping into that zone experience when exchanging about these sort of things that really matter to me. I adore the connection that can take place when people are willing to drop that front and be spontaneously and deeply honest. To all those listening into this episode, I hope your days are full of similar interactions too. I certainly love sharing this path with you as well. Thank you so much for your support. Let me know how this is landing. I uh, look forward to whatever's to come. In the meantime, have an amazing week. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Ananta Kranti. Hold up. 